inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. You are listening to Outlook on this Monday morning, nearing the end of August. I hope everybody's out enjoying the summer as much as you can. You're not listening to the radio. Uh, I'm here, Carrie, with my brother Brian. We have another guest today on the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome on into Outlook this week. And yeah, I've got Carrie back in the studio with me, and we're uh, we're ready to host a, a brand new show with another Carrie connection. Yeah, we were just talking before the show started about how many people you meet and then you start to even forget, oh, where did I even meet that person? Yeah, I mean, I guess it happens. It can happen in life, like in, uh, in when you're out and about too, if you run into somebody from the past and you're like, wait, what? but especially with online, I think where you don't actually have that personal in-person connection, sometimes you totally kind of like, oh, wait, where did I meet this person? And um, But again, it also just goes to show how many connections you can make online with, with social media and and stuff like that, so... Yes, but this one, so this one I met in some Facebook groups about audio description, which is one of the things we'll talk about today, among some others. Uh, our guest today is a writer, and so I love talking to writers about any of that. Uh, so our guest today in Out- for Outlook is Rebecca Odom. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. So uh, tell everybody where you're calling in from. I am calling in from Georgia. Georgia. Uh, right outside of Atlanta. Right. Was that where REM lived, Bri? Yeah, but the, my favorite band growing up was REM, but they're from a- Athens, Georgia. I'm not oh. sure how close that is yeah. to, to where you are. but Yeah, that's 45 minutes from me. Oh, right on. Yeah, it's a great uh, <laughs> college town for, for music. Yes. Um, so. Oh, yeah. That's great. It, it is and I believe you're actually in the same time zone. Is that right? You'd be in Eastern Standard yeah. Time? Yeah. It's because we often have guests. We've had a lot of guests from the Pacific time zone and stuff like that. So it's a pretty early start sometimes. So it's probably yeah. kind of nice that you, you know, you're know, you in the same time zone this week and didn't have to get up super early to, to be on the show today. But uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on. Thank you. Yes, I'm happy to be here. So what is Georgia like these days? I, I, I probably drove through... Yeah, when we went to Florida, Florida and stuff, I think, right? We we definitely drove th- drove through, but mm-hmm. you said recently or before that it's pretty humid a lot. It's really humid and hot, and and I can't wait for cooler weather. <laughs> so yeah, so you're not a fan? No, I I, I like fall. Yeah, me too. I like <laughs> I like it when it's not it's not freezing, but it's not like super hot. I like it in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, humidity, not my thing, but uh, no. I was glad, glad to have a guest from Georgia. I don't know if we, we're trying to hit every state. <laughs> yeah, awesome. we, we've, we've had a few so far, but definitely not, uh, not all 50. So no. we have a while to go, but. So yeah, Rebecca, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? I mean, what, what your blindness condition is and um, tell us a bit about growing up in in um, Georgia, like Georgia, there. Yeah, um, my my condition. I have ROP, 
which is retinopathy prematurity. That is an eye condition that happens to babies when they are born too early. And growing up, um, I I had pretty good vision. Um, I saw 20 over 200 in one eye. I mean, I still needed you know, large print textbooks in school and um, to sit in the front of the classroom and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, a few years ago, um, my vision changed um, after some, some surgeries and complications. And I, so now I see 20 over 300 and um, I can no longer um, use the computer like I used to be able to or read. Um, so I'm a full-time screen reader user, but, um, you know, growing up, um, I love and still love, I love writing mm-hmm. and I love movies and TV and, um, and I actually got introduced to audio description when I was 10 at a camp for the blind. Oh, really? It's an interesting yeah. first introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, camp that was ten, and I and I was like, "What? What is this? Why? Why are these extra people talking on this movie?" So they, and had, then like, I really, they had like a movie night. Yeah, yeah, we had a movie night, and it was huh? the first Toy Story. <laughs> that was my, yeah, that was my first. I'm pretty sure we ordered that. Night. We had that in the mail from CNIB, right, Care? Back in the day, probably. I don't know. On VH, we used to get VHS. Uh, tapes with descriptive in the 90s so yeah I believe we had that one yeah I did too but I got like these really strange movies that I didn't want to watch <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they just got sent to you yeah sometimes it is like oh they have this in description but not this and and yeah it was and those back in those times too obviously things weren't a, I mean even today it's still a struggle but especially back then I mean well, I'm sure yeah, we can get into that, but things the description wasn't really that common probably back then. Um, no, it wasn't. Like, I watched that first movie, and then I didn't hear anything else with audio description until, gosh, like 2014, something like that. Like, oh, really? Yeah, it was a long time, and I, you know, because it wasn't like I knew that there were some TV shows that had it but I didn't know how to access it and it wasn't TV shows that I watched so so it so I really didn't get to experience that until like I want to say like 2014 2015 something like that but I didn't even see my first audio described movie in the theater until 2017 Oh, what was that one? It was I can only imagine. Huh. And I, I remember think I know that one. Sitting, yeah, it's um a movie based off the artist that wrote the song. I can only imagine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I remember sitting there sobbing. Not just because of what was going on in the movie, but because I was finally getting to 
know everything that was going on on screen and not just the look the what I could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, audio description for our listeners. We talk about it a lot on the show. Uh, I like to talk about it, Brian, a little less, less so, and so that's why it's interesting to have these these talks, right, Brian? Because yeah, for sure. I mean, I learn a lot from it, and of course, I I think audio description is is so important and it should be included everywhere and yeah. access access for all. I think it's more that, you know, I I like TVs and movies, but I'm not as into that as as both of you. And I've I've when I was a kid I didn't all I cared about was music and and didn't really care at all. As I've gotten a bit older, I I do watch more um shows and stuff like that, but it's still not kind of my main thing, so I think that might be part of it. Um, but yeah, again, it just goes to show, right? Everyone has different interests and, and stuff, but that doesn't yeah. mean that something's not important. Um, and again, it always comes down to like looking out for, for the, for the greater good and not just saying, oh, for yourself. And this is a topic that comes up a lot. Uh, I think in, in a lot of communities where sometimes people feel like they're speaking for everyone or they'll say like, we like this or that. Whereas of course we're all individual and we all have different, different, uh, things that we are passionate about. So I think, you know, I think this show is great because it does explore all sorts of topics and some might be more interested in those, but you can always learn a lot. So, well, we've, we've just had closed captioning on TVs for as long as I can remember. It's, it's become, it's become very commonplace. People are not surprised. They know what it is. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. it might be distracting to have words on the bottom of the screen if you don't need them, but a lot of people use them. It, it's like what I like to point out about a lot of accessibility that, that we talk about and try to, you know, work for is that it would benefit everybody, truly. It's, yes, it would. It's not yes. just a yeah. small like group. Someone, yes, like someone cited if, if they're, say, they're driving and they want to watch a show <laughs> and they can pull it up, say, on Netflix, you know well, yeah, it's like audiobooks, podcasts. Yeah, it all kind of ties kind of, together yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah, and they could just turn on the audio description and know exactly what's going on on, on their show. And it it's kind of, honestly, it's, in a way, it's kind of like an audiobook, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, and that's why I love it, because it's, it's, it's art, and it's so many yeah. ways to look at it and to come at it from. Yes. And it's it's yeah. exciting because it's all still, like you say, it's the early days of everybody hearing about it even and knowing what it is and people actually getting trained to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No, we wanted to definitely talk to you about audio description because that's a big thing. And uh, Yeah, but I kind of thought it would be nice to quickly go back just, just once more to, um, to, to growing up. And I found actually a, yeah. a little write-up from a few years ago in uh, Juno Remo, you were a featured author there a few years back and you mentioned yes. that um, you were the smallest of triplets and I just thought that's really interesting that's you don't often hear about I don't even think I don't think we were discussing this on the way in here and I don't know if we know any triplets really so it's just another thing that I think yeah. we, we talk so much on the show about identity as far as you know blindness is just part of who we are or visual impairment or however you prefer yeah. to say it but also yeah you know being born in, in, in triplets like it's just there's so many different unique things about everyone and I just thought that was a really unique thing that stood out so I was just kind of curious kind of how that was yeah. growing up you know obviously here from twins we, we have related to twins well, and stuff like that but yeah, I was the smallest one of triplets. Um, I had two brothers. Um, they did not make it. Oh, okay. um, oh sorry to hear that. Well, that so, write-up was pretty thorough then, to even mention it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, these things are tough for a lot of people to talk about, but I, I 
you know, for this show, I like to keep it very open. And of course, people only yeah. are, we only want people to talk about what they're comfortable talking about. But at the same point, I think yeah. we're so used to yeah. in this world kind of avoiding topics that are tough. And I think it's it really is. It's not easy to sometimes, you know, speak up about certain things, but it's also important. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I grew up. Um, I have one sister. Um, and I also. I, I grew up, um, I was in chorus and I took private voice lessons. So I did a lot of singing at church and at school. Um, and I also, uh, I went to a university called Gardner-Webb. It's in North Carolina. And I became really passionate and this might surprise you, but I became really passionate about American Sign Language. Hmm. And when I saw the miracle worker at my local theater when I was seven, and so I almost majored in American Sign Language um, at Gardner-Webb, but because of my vision, um, I couldn't complete the major because there were some classes that were done entirely lecture style, like a regular lecture class, but all in sign language, no voicing. Uh-huh. No. And silent I, class. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Completely silent. And I knew that it was one thing to be in a sign language class and be learning, but it was going to be something totally different to try to keep up with a lecture in a language that is visual. So I had to change my major, um, but I, I, I still, I still signed. You know, in school now I've much gotten everything I learned <laughs> um, but I also um, during that time I participated in a sign language choir and we traveled around and um, signed uh, different songs oh wow And it, yeah it was really neat it was hard it was hard for me but it was really it was really really neat yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's another topic that we don't talk... When we talk about it, it's difficult because, like you say, deafness and blindness, they kind of seem like they could be at odds, but there are people yeah. who are deafblind, right? So there's ways to communicate, and there's yeah. there's so many different ways, more than just even, uh, you know, audible speech and sign language, and yeah. deaf families have their own way of, of doing yeah. it. And to hear that there's a deaf choir, like, yeah, it's, it's a stuff that we haven't really yeah, been exposed to, so it's interesting. It's something we definitely want to start covering more on the show is is other disabilities because of course like blindness is the one that we jump to right away as we're both blind here yeah. and, and uh, you as well uh, we're visually impaired Rebecca so it's kind of the main thing that we started with but we would like to branch out and have m- more people on from different intersectionalities and, and uh, different minorities because I think yeah it's one of these things that you, you get you know think about oh there's not enough for this and that and for, for blind people but then it's like but there's so many other groups too that I think it's important that we are yeah. aware of so I think that is really interesting that you uh had that interest there in, in American Sign Language and it's, you know, something I'd like to learn more, more about as well, so. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely. I actually learned um, a form of tactile signing um, because I had some vision. I learned a form of tactile signing called tracking, and it was where I would put my, I would hold the wrist of both wrists of some of the person that was signing, and that way. The signing space, instead of being like way out far beyond where I didn't know what was going on because I have a very limited field of vision, Mm -hmm. um, it brought it in closer and more condensed so that I could track it easier. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I I mean, I think tracking, isn't that what that's called in Braille, Bri? Yeah, I think that's what they call it when you use your your fingers. Because generally... I think for the most part, at least from what I understand, Braille readers, like for me, I often do most of the reading with my left hand, whereas my right hand is kind of stabilizing me on the page and sort of going ahead slightly to be able to kind of keep moving along at a a decent speed. So I think there is that. It is called tracking as well, Kara. I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, And that's one of the quick thing. I Obviously, we want to get into audio description for a big portion here, but I wanted to quickly just ask how was overall your your schooling growing up i know you still said you had some vision and i don't know I as far did, as skills yeah. for for braille or um I, traveling or any of that kind of stuff like how was your support throughout school and how did you find the the whole experience it was i i actually had really good support in school um i they tried to teach me braille um but because i had so much vision i just couldn't I just couldn't get the hang of it. Like I couldn't, my, my fingers weren't sensitive enough to feel the different dots. And I, I kept getting, I would like start at the top and like end up on line two and I just couldn't. And now, you know, now that I've, my vision's changed, I wish that I had learned it because, and I, and I'm, I'm actually going to because I, I, I could really benefit from it now. Um, and then, but where I grew up, there was not a vision program in the school closest to to where I live. So I had to be bused over to another school in my county. And it was like... 40 minutes one way every day for years um, Hmm. up until 8th grade and so to this day I don't like riding buses because I I rode them for years (laughs) Um, I always kind of said that about pack lunches after I finished school I just like I don't want to have to take my (laughs) bag lunch anymore anywhere (laughs) But uh, that's kind yes. of that's kind of too bad. But. but as far as orientation and mobility, I I had a lot of training. Um, I learned how to cross streets. I learned um, how to go to the grocery store. I learned all of that um, when I was in gosh, I want to say like middle school, I think. Maybe it was elementary. I don't remember. But mm-hmm. um, and then I actually 
and I, I still can't believe this actually. I actually didn't start using a cane until I was 16. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to ask that. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by that because we talk a lot on this show about how, you know, making the step to, to using a cane, especially if somebody does still have some vision, it's not not always the easiest thing or the quickest thing that ends up happening. So it's it's just, you, you really do hear about people yeah. having different levels of support and it's, I just find it always interesting to, to hear everyone's different experience. And it, it is nice to see though that you did have that travel experience at, uh, growing up and, you know, a lot of people ne- don't always have yeah. that, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been hard to keep up my, like, my skills of crossing the street because I live in an area where I there's no sidewalks, so we have to drive everywhere. Yeah, it's kind of like so, where we grew we grew up out in the country. Now I live in the city of London, Ontario, but we grew up pretty much like right near a pretty busy highway type street there, so that, country road. So we couldn't really yeah. yeah there was no none of that really growing up as much. I kind of got it when I moved to Toronto when I turned nineteen and, and moved in Tor- to Toronto for six years. That's where I really honed my skills but yeah that's a big part of it I think is the area you grew up in and that's a lot of stuff happens especially you know anywhere but in Canada as well with so many remote areas that people don't get the services or the training just because they're not in that area that really has the options and we just and as far as like transportation until Uber and Lyft came along we didn't have any there wasn't any public transportation and so I know so many people who are blind and visually impaired who moved into Atlanta from here mm-hmm. because they they couldn't get around on their own. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You, you feel kind of isolated and just you can't just have, you feel yeah. like you don't have your full independence when you're always have to yeah. depend on other yeah. people and hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it uh, sounds like you had, you know, some pretty good support there. So so what about writing? Yeah. Writing then? You he uh, you know people always ask writers, when did you know you wanted to write or I I sort of read up a bit about what you'd said somewhere about since you were 5 or something. So, you know, that's young yeah. and I can't really claim that I got into it at that age. So it's interesting to talk to writers who have to see what it was like back then for you and well, yeah, I actually, um, I, I, I didn't actually start, I didn't start actually writing, like, actually writing until I was about 10, but I had okay. the imagination at five because my, my grandma, um, she would take me up to her finished attic room that they turned into a bedroom and she would tell me stories like just make them up off the top of her head from characters that I liked <laughs> but I was always the boss of said stories like choose your and own adventure kind of yeah yes so she would start saying stuff and I'd be like no 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 it has to be this way no make <laughs> yeah. this happen or no so 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 when I got older I you know, obviously started writing my own stories and um, started out when I was 12, I discovered the world of fan fiction. And uh, that's how I got started and um, writing. And then I started writing my own 
books and and um and then as you know I published a few years ago mm-hmm. and and then now I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with that yeah we, you um, know we, I, we could talk all about writing and the choices writers make like you say oh indie or yeah because I I did the indie thing. I did, and it was like the like getting my cover and getting an editor. I had an amazing editor, um, and that wasn't the hard part. It was the marketing. Yeah, like I I never got the hang of it, and and I know tradition. Traditionally published authors, they have to do their own, some of their own marketing too, but they at least have some some help. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas, the, yeah, it's a whole lot of to, whole lot of work, and it is it's all on you. And how did? Yeah, I, I mean, it's good that you um, got someone. It's to find people you can work with a little bit on these things, a little, and ask people's perspectives yeah. because you have to go on the information you have and to know what would look at look good as a cover can be tricky yeah yeah and it and I and I just felt like I was the only visually impaired indie author out there and I I kept mm-hmm. asking all, all these questions and different writing related Facebook groups and kept asking like is this accessible is this website accessible to screen readers is this accessible and they're like I don't know. What's a screen reader? And I'm like, okay, I I have to stop asking in <laughs> in these groups because <laughs> weren't finding what you were looking for. <laughs> and so so it's, and it was just like I was just finding so many things that I needed to be successful, not accessible. Yeah, like finding a, a, a program you know those programs like MailChimp where you can send out a whole yeah, bunch of news, emails newsletters or, or lists newsletters You're and on. lists yeah well I could not find one that was accessible like I looked high and low and I think I finally found one and but all the ones like MailChimp and all those others they all require the use of the mouse and they're not they're not screen screen reader friendly well and wow because i yeah i don't know i keep wondering that myself and looking for people who might know if it is because i've thought and of, i think thought about yeah. starting one. i think a different uh, thing about it all too is is really trying to to build this community to make these connections because like you say when you when you're doing this originally you feel like you're the only visually impaired uh, independent author out there trying to do yeah. everything and when there there's there's yeah. more out there. There's got to be more. But I think, again, it's this connecting as far as also finding things that are accessible. I think the more our community works yeah. together and, and shares information and has places to go and, and connect, I think this stuff can be easier. And of yeah. course, that doesn't mean work still needs to get done in, in, uh, in uh, the mainstream. But I think a lot of the problem, too, is that we just don't have those role models or other blind or visually impaired people to, to always look up to, even though they're no. probably out there somewhere. It's just it's, it's finding them. So. That's a big part yeah, of it as well. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. And I, and I just, I was after like seven years of, of trying. I was just like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, 
I, I, because I was still struggling with marketing and all the advice I got, they were like, think visually, make graphics. <laughs> yeah. Know? That's the big and thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's that, that difficult area where of course like we want to have we need to have some visual stuff to be able to to fit in and we also do we don't want to be appealing to people who have the sense of being able to see but at the same point it often does feel like that's such a big focus when it's like can we change yeah. can we change that a little bit maybe or shift that somewhat to be able to but it's it's tricky of course you know there's so many people who can see yeah. out there compared to bl- blind people and it's uh it's such an ongoing uh thing but it's uh it's something to always be considering so for anyone who's it's been listening really- today, we're speaking with Rebecca Odom. She is a an author and also a audio description uh, specialist, which we'll get into a uh, quality assurance specialist. We'll get into that in the second half mm-hmm. here in Outlook. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after these ads. Outlook. Radio Western. And welcome back on this Monday morning. We are talking today with our guest, Heather. Uh, sorry. Rebecca. Rebecca Odom. <laughs> sorry, I'm. We're talking at the beginning of we make so many connections. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes you get so many <laughs> names and you get mixed up. Yeah. We have had a Heather on the show uh, a few months back, but. Uh. Yeah. Um, sorry about that, uh, Rebecca. I have a best it's friend. Okay. I have a best friend named Rebecca, so I should know that. Awesome. Um, but. You and I met about uh, through audio description, which is what we're going to talk about in the second half. And we were yeah. talking before about some, some of the inaccessibility out there uh, as far as technology on websites, um, the newsletter, whole, the whole newsletter thing. And, and you know, certain social media is fairly ac- accessible. I know you're on Twitter at uh, yep. R Rights Fantasy. Yes. Yes. So I don't, I've never gotten the hack of Twitter, the, you know, what's what the deal is with Twitter, but I try, so... Yeah, you you try more than I do. I think with Twitter, Carrie, you definitely. I had I set up a Twitter. I think about over ten years ago, and I don't think I've touched it since. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I should get into it maybe a little bit more. But Facebook's kind of my my big one. But again, I think we all kind of find what what works for us. And but at the same time, in the world, especially today, I think even Twitter and Facebook are almost old now compared to Instagram and TikTok and stuff, which yeah. both yeah. seem very visual. Are you so. on, are you on TikTok, Rebecca? No, I've never even been on TikTok. I've never even downloaded it. It sounds like more marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah just, it's great that we, you and I could relate on a lot of things, though. Like uh, this project we did recently where we worked yeah. together with someone else. Uh, we yes. both had a sort of, we came up against uh, Google Docs, which if, if there's somebody out there who's yeah. visually impaired or blind who uses it, uh, please do email us outlook on radio yeah. western at gmail.com that is, because i i really that is definitely one of those things i've used um a, a little bit through through college and through um other other times and i do find it like it is usable but yeah it's not very user friendly like you i no. and i think a lot of that's the the issue i have sometimes with accessibility where i find like i struggle with it a bit because i often do find workarounds for a lot of things and can use a lot of websites that might be considered inaccessible and it, and to be accessible doesn't necessarily mean you know it, 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 it's not all or nothing yeah it's sometimes often sort of I find in between where things are usable but they're you have to kind of take a lot of like workarounds to figure things out and you know not everyone's going to have those skills and things really should be 
a little bit more, you know, easier yeah. to use from from the start. But they yeah. should, because I I know when when I don't know about you, Carrie, but when I tried to do Google Docs, um, I I turned on screen reader support, and then that was it. It was just like okay, and it, it and I couldn't do anything with it. And I tried and tried and tried and and I was and I was just thinking, okay, I know people who use screen who are blind who use screen readers use this. What 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 am I doing wrong? Well, I'd like Like, to just say another thing. I'm more just quick quickly curious about is, did you find because I I know with Carrie the fact that Carrie used to have quite a bit quite a bit more vision as well that translating from from having some vision to kind of remembering what a computer screen was like to using a screen reader often can be I know at least for Carrie it's been it's a bit of a challenge sometimes because you're still trying to visualize like how is this on the screen where is this on the screen whereas for me being born blind and always having you know pretty much totally blind my entire life I don't think about that at all so I'm kind of wondering if sometimes that sort of does come into it and makes things a little bit more difficult sometimes if, if you're used to that and then have to kind of convert that to a non-visual thing whereas yeah. if it's always been non-visual for me I can I sort of have that a different sort of right. feeling of it I don't know just just a thought but yeah actually yeah I, I do kind of s- still see in my head what what if I've seen a website before I've seen Google Docs or I've seen Facebook I still kind of have it what it looks like in my head and then so when they make a whole bunch of changes, it's like, okay, I don't have this mental image anymore. And at the same time, because I guess like a, bl- a someone who's blind can also have a, you know, get used to a layout of something and obviously a bit different than th- yeah. than how it might look visually, but can also get used to that and the change can, can be tricky. But yeah, you make a good point about if it's in, if it's a visual memory of that layout and then that changes as well. It, uh, yeah. And also I will go on some websites and I'll just happen to get on the thing that I needed. <laughs> me too. And I have no idea how I did it. Yep, me too. And I'm like, okay, I have to do this thing right now because I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I sensed you and I had quite a bit in common, Rebecca. Yeah, you just. both sound like you do have a lot in common, which is which is great to, great to see. For sure. So, audio description. Uh, Again, a lot of people don't know what it is. We talk about it a lot. And you're getting into the QC, which is quality control. And sometimes it's called QA, quality assurance. And as we've talked about, this has been a thing for years. I've had it on my TV. Uh, You know, it's it's everywhere now in some circles, but it's also not heard about in others. So you and I and all of the others are trying to get the word out. Yes. And... When I explain to like friends or mm-hmm. you know like people in my church or you know um, what what I'm doing, yeah. I have to explain what audio description is because they don't know. And, and I was explaining it to somebody the other day, and they were just flabbergasted. They were just like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know that that existed." Do you want to maybe just quickly explain to our listeners then what how you would explain it to somebody that didn't really I, know anything about I, it? I explain it as it's an extra track with someone narrating 
what is happening on screen in between and well basically uh pauses in dialogue okay, hopefully That's between the dialogue sometimes yeah. it runs between into it a dialogue. little right yeah sometimes it does yeah yeah so, what made you decide to go into that? Because I know you said you'd known about it for a while, but yeah, because that's a big thing. Is obviously audio descriptions a thing, but then we—it's you know the specific, the whole quality assurance where ins and outs of what that is. The more you find audio description, the, yeah. the more there is. It's like anything where there's going to be some that's great and some that isn't so great. So, yeah, it's an interesting area yeah. to, to to look into for sure, and not something that you hear about much. So, yeah, how did you take an interest in that? No, you. Know? you you actually don't. It it has taken a lot of work just to get um, find people that can help me. <laughs> you know, get into 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 it, and um, I I got into it. I, I see. I wanted to do something in this field. I just wasn't sure what. Like, I thought about narration. I thought about trying to write. Um, and then I found out about QC. Mm-hmm. And and I was... And I thought, okay, this is what I should do because I, I watch... I mean, I've watched thousands upon hours of audio description. I know I can recognize good audio description and bad audio description. Right. Yeah, and, and as we say, everybody everybody will have a different preference. So it's one of those things again. It's you can't please everybody. Yeah, but they, you start exactly. to learn what works. And again, I think another yeah. another thing I just yeah. want to quickly mention is this. I think there is sometimes this attitude out there, like when we don't have a lot of things that are accessible, or we're working on getting things accessible. A lot of times, people are like, "Well, we have this, so we should be thankful that we at least have this." And I yes. think sometimes that that affects things improving because we're kind of like, oh well, at least we do have some description, so that's that, at least that's something. Whereas we should always strive for for better. So, yeah, we we deserve to have quality audio description, and there are some companies out there that have that. <laughs> some that don't. Yeah, yeah. I think we we've, we've talked a bunch on this show a little bit about the. Uh, when they have which services it is it Amazon Care the one that has automate a lot of automated oh. description sort yeah of. I don't know do you have Amazon oh. Rebecca yes and I I watched a movie um, recently uh, Thirteen Lives it was about those boys in Thailand I think that got trapped oh, in the oh, cage oh yeah I heard about this um. <laughs> don't watch it without your description it will drive you crazy. Hmm. Because what they do, but, but but at the same time, you need it with audio description. So it's like, okay, I suffer through the audio description <laughs> because I need it. Otherwise, I'd be really lost. So what they did was they had, it was all done in TTS. At first, I thought the main narrator was human, but I don't think so. I think it was yeah. done all TTS. They're getting pretty TV. sneaky as trying. It's yes. like computer, computer voices we've yeah. used for a long time. They've never really managed to make them more humanized sounding, but they've tried, yeah. and there's been yeah. there's been attempts. And so, yeah, right. it, it depends. And so, yeah, that, it's yeah. So that movie has a lot of subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there there was a main narrator that was describing the visuals, mm-hmm. and then they had 
five um, different computer-generated voices that were reading the subtitles. And you could tell. Well, you I just tell. I think they're really trying to like make it very multi-layered now. Like like especially there yeah. foreign films and different films with subtitles like you say there's a lot going on and so there's a lot yeah, to do to do for the audio yeah. description track that you you wouldn't realize. Well, yeah, not being as yeah. familiar with this stuff yeah. as as the, both of you are. I don't I can't quite imagine how they would do it for certain subtitle movies. I think you would have to and it's like yeah. any any time it's used. You're not never going to be able to cover every single thing. Like, you know, but if you're also covering no. subtitles along with visual descriptions, yeah, that would be a lot, but like you say if they're making it yeah. even more confusing by having five different computer generated things mixed in there like that doesn't sound like the best best solution, yeah. but Yeah. It just like it it I mean this a movie this movie was supposed was like really emotional and just, you know, but the audio description took me out of the story because it was not there was because it was computer generated there was no inflection yeah and and so it was just so yeah tts i'm i'm not a fan (laughs) yeah and that's the problem right like it's supposed to meld into the whole story right it's not supposed to make you they bring you out of it every 10 seconds or you can't focus on the storyline it's supposed to smoothly read to you anything visual that you might miss and then let that blend into watching the the show with you know listening to the characters and all the other ways you're taking it in so yes yeah so it's it's so yeah I, I I don't really watch anything on Amazon anymore because I don't know if if it's going to have a human narrator or a TTS. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I saw you a lot in the groups recently and I really kind of respect how how much you have uh, taken, you know, taken this stuff on, watching you in those groups ask questions about how do I get involved and then just working yeah. with you on this project recently was a practice run yeah. on a documentary. Yeah, which we was. should talk about a little called bit. Called Amazing well. Grace. Uh, yes, and I know you, you know it was emotional when you saw it. Also, it's beautifully done. Yeah, I just it read is. up on it. and It does definitely sound like a pretty, it, pretty I, intense. I'm glad I watched it before we we met. Like before we did, we got on Zoom because otherwise I would have been like sobbing through the entire. Well, yeah, we really have to break it down. What you know, scene by scene and line by yeah. line and shot by shot. To, to decide yeah. what gets described and what can't or doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was tough. It was tough. To be, I feel like documentaries are hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like them. Uh, but yeah, it does help to have an understanding of the story arc of yeah. the documentary so you can know what, yeah. might, what might need to be said where. And so yes. you know, quality control specialists are blind people so it's good they're getting more into the field that's what i'm saying is it's great to see yeah. more blind people uh you know getting that that kind of stuff and yes, i don't know if you've thought being a writer uh, i know you've considered all the other jobs you said and, but there are blind people who are doing more than one so you know yes know. I, I actually i want to eventually i i was gonna see how the quality control stuff goes first and then mm-hmm. i was gonna train take another course and and try and write um 
because I can use my 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 writing skills. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, and uh, so you're and, training and, you're training to be an audio description quality assurance specialist. Is that what what sort of training has yes. that involved so far? So you both of you have been um, recently involved in this project, but um, is there any other yeah work um, that you've done? Carrie, you, well, I took an audio description training course um, a couple months ago, um, and I I wasn't sure because uh, all of the courses that I was finding was focusing on writing and narration and and I. And then I found Bonnie's course, and it's called Be Creative, I think. And uh, and I and I messaged her and I said, "Well, I I'm looking to get into quality assurance, quality control. Is there, do you is taking taking your course going to help me? Do you teach that basically?" And she said, "Yes." So I I ended up taking from her and and Carrie you and I we've been doing some practice yeah so we have a nice uh, group there on zoom and it, it works really well on zoom actually um, it does we yeah. just we, somebody figures out how to play the the documentary uh, by yeah. screen share and mm-hmm. audio share and we all watch yeah. it and then she, she, so our, our, the, the sighted person in our group would just stop it and ask us questions or s- stop and say do you have any other thoughts and she'd read around so she had to write watch it and write a script and so she has yeah. to learn sighted has to learn what to include in her writing and then she watches yeah. a movie with us with the script yeah. she's come up with and we tell her you know things should be added or taken away or yeah yeah her words changed or like a you know like a sentence like doesn't read right or you know stuff yeah, like lots that. of different things where you said you can use your uh, write, your writing skills but also lived experience about blindness you might say oh well that should be described what I what did I miss there uh, she might yeah. fill, in, fill in a few yeah. holes from our you know fill in holes from our uh, council on, on zoom there so it's a good group yeah it is it is and I just finished two quality control tests for for a company that that's expanding their quality control department and um, one was a seven minute movie um, or a seven minute uh, clip segment of a movie yeah, yeah. Um, and so I had to listen and catch mistakes and I caught most of them um, and then but then the second test that I did was reading reading a script um, and then they gave me like the the movie trailer like the youtube version and so i read through the script and uh tried to match it um the time codes weren't uh they weren't the same yeah time code would be a little tricky yeah the whole syncing everything up and and, uh (laughs) yeah stuff like that they weren't the same on the the script as they were on the video because i guess the uh script had been written like with a different trailer with different time codes or something so so i just went through the script and and i and and i was amazed at like how you know many suggestions i i had and and i and i said and i told him in the email i said well well, i'm an author so i catch a lot of detail (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so it's been great, you know, to hear you going on. So I, I just wanted to ask you, as somebody who's also, you know, getting into this, it's great to meet others who do this work because I, I'm trying to, you know, make hopefully people see that there, are, there's a lot of audio description that need done, and hopefully we can all yes. get involved. Um, but what yes. advice would you have for me, somebody? I'm, I was wanting to get more involved in audio description and quality control or writing here in Canada. Uh, so what tips? Do you have any tips or what like what might you say about um, how to just well, go out and find things in Canada cuz I know a lot of audio describers on shows I like and so I, I recognize their voice and I try to listen for the company and stuff but everything still seems like yeah. it's quite secretive or I don't yeah, know Yeah it does I know I I've just been reaching out to companies and like you said asking questions in the in the the Facebook groups and mm-hmm. um and I, I came into this, I mean, I, obviously I knew what quality control was, and I kind of knew what it was in relation to audio description, but all the interviews that I listened to on podcasts, all the stuff I read, everything was about writing and the sound engineering and the narration and there was nothing about quality control nothing and so so I just had to keep asking and and then I um, met these this group on Facebook and I've been doing uh, with them I've been I'm they're trying to get into the industry as narrators and writers and so I'm doing basically what I did with you, Carrie, what we did. Um, I'm doing quality control for them. Mm-hmm. And they're just they're just practicing and they're trying to build up their their resume and is helping me build mine up too. Um, so I, I've been doing that. I've been just practicing and then taking the training with Bonnie, that really helped because then I it wasn't just, oh, this doesn't sound right to me or, oh, you know, I actually had the, the guidelines and the, and the. Well, it's been around for a couple decades. It's been around a couple decades, but it's just, um, it's still one of the best kept secrets. And again, I think it's, I think it's like a lot of these things and like kind of what I said earlier about things getting more and more to where we're not just settling for kind of what the little bit that we yeah. have and we want more yeah. and I think that's why you're saying when you when you look out for a specific position for for this um, quality control it's hard to find because it's it is so new and it kind of reminds nice. me Carrie not quite the same but of your sensitivity reading that you've been you've been getting a few jobs with where it's this new area where we're really trying to make things authentic and real and and I think these yeah. these things hopefully are and I, I see a direction where this is getting more and more talked about and more common so Hopefully this is one of those things where, you know, we try to look to, for careers that might be sort of a newer path. And I think these areas definitely yeah. are, are coming and, and flourishing more and more. So it's a, it's a slow progression, it, I'm sure. But It really is. And I, I actually, and speaking of sensitivity reading, I actually tried to get into that as well and couldn't. And you like, carry, was, well, you've had some on and off, right? You've got, you well, got a few things, but it's like any of these things are so new that they're kind of sporadic yeah, and it's hard spotty. to... And I, um, yeah, I, tr- I want to try both. Um, 
but you know as a writer you'd be good at both as, as well I'm sure it's like me trying to break into audio description maybe some of the times you just hit a wall and what to do um, but I think we'll both keep yeah. at it because it seems like we're learning a yeah. lot and yeah. so I'm gl- glad we met through that um, what yeah. about right now what are you are you binge watching anything what, what's your current show that you're watching with audio description or are you not um, at the moment uh, or did you just finish one or which one I that? watch a lot of different I watch a lot of stuff on Disney Plus um, my uh, the show that I waited so long to have audio description and it finally did on Netflix was Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel Legend of Korra and the, the audio description for that was amazing it was so good. Um, well, it's great because we talked about one, the, some of the stuff that wasn't so good. So it's great to to uh, yeah it contrast it with something so that good. does. Both of those shows are amazing, and um, and then before I think before we went on the air, I was talking about my favorite Elena of Avalor. Well, yeah, we were going to talk uh, about how you've been, you're in audio description, you're a writer, and you've also done podcasting. Yes, yes. Um, but I I got to, uh, I mean, um, uh, let's see. Um, okay, so not all of those episodes have, unfortunately, have audio description. And who knows when they will get audio description. <laughs> Yeah, like I wish I could patch in the people who who did the ones that that are already there and be like, what, what's the holdup? Like, is it a money thing? Yeah. Is it a, <laughs> yes. What? What is it? Because nobody's complaining, reaching out and complaining because we, you know, we settle for what we do have or what. Well, that's the thing. It's hard anytime with the, you, to reach out to these audio description companies that are out there now and sort of say, yeah. you know, what's what's yeah. a, what are the things like with you guys and. Uh, it hopefully they're always learning as as well, but uh, yeah, and it's to watch a favorite makes, show that you can't fully watch is annoying. Yeah, and they, I mean, maybe Disney changed companies, and who knows? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a but, lot of behind the scenes politics, back and forth of and then how things run, and then. And then there's the issue of, like, okay, so the show that I just mentioned, Avatar, The Last Airbender, so it had audio description on Netflix. Well, it's now off of Netflix. It's so many streams. We were talking about before about publishing rights and. and, uh... Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus, and I don't know for certain, but I don't think that the audio description went with it. When they got so, so it's like now that now that amazing audio description is like just in the the yeah. black hole of <laughs> sitting out in the ether there, and nobody can access it. It's lost, lost right forever. Mm. <laughs> and oh, yeah, well, that, you know, it's some of these shows uh, get pretty popular. I, I was wanting to check out the new Neil Gaiman thing on Netflix and I believe it has audio yeah. description. It's just it's a bit scary so I'm a little nervous to try but he's yeah. he's a really brilliant guy so I'm curious what it's all about but yeah. like even your you know the shows you're into a lot, so I haven't heard of those Brian. They're not really the ones we come across so um, 
Yeah, no, there's just so much out there, and it is great to have have these discussions and and realize kind of where we're at with this with this area of audio description where we still need to go. Um, yeah. So much, so much to cover today, and we only have a couple minutes left. Time really okay. flies by. We've been speaking with yes. Rebecca Odom today. It's been a great discussion. Rebecca, you can find on Twitter at R Writes Fantasy, and Rebecca is an author, happens to be visually impaired. Uh, also completed training as an audio description quality assurance specialist, and uh, yeah, you uh, you have a book out um, which we've touched on briefly called Lightning Proof. People can look that up. You and I, I believe you have a blind character in that uh, book I as well. Do. Yes, and see yep. that's the whole thing about you know inclusion and seeing ourselves in books. It's great that there's blind characters and often written by blind people. Yeah, yes. and that's tying yeah. in as well to having more blind people involved in these areas, especially like we say with audio description, there's sighted people involved, but there needs to be more of us us involved in, in the decision making and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and Rebecca also has her podcast, Spirit of Avalor. You can, you can look that up as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to quickly finish off with here today? It's been great having you uh, on Outlook today. And uh, it's, it's been awesome to be here and talk about audio description. I think if there is one thing about audio description that I would say it was that we not only need more of it but we need also need quality right. and and I hope and 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 we and I'm just so glad that there are people in our community like you and I Carrie and others that are getting into this field yes and and and, and i definitely want to talk to you again maybe on the show in the future see well you know where you end up with audio description and working in quality control or as a writer or whatever you choose to do in it uh you know you seem to um sort of be know what you want and you're going for it and so that's awesome yeah and i don't know we we touched briefly on amazing grace that the film that you guys are the documentary you'd been working on some quality assurance with so i don't know is there anything you want to quick mention about that is that is the quality control that you've done? Will that be edited? Will that be? Um, will they be? No, that was a description, that was or that was just a, a that was a practice. practice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Rebecca, we've done some practice and some starting real jobs and. Uh, but that, jobs. is that documentary out somewhere for people want to watch it, or is I, it? I believe it's been at, at the disability film festivals. So I'm yeah. not sure where it'll end up uh, if it's not available for most people. Okay, well, we, we didn't really get to cover it well, too much no. today, which is, okay, we had so much to ch- talk about, but I think we'll share a link maybe in the podcast yeah. notes of the Grace Fisher Foundation so people can read a little bit about it and this film documentary. Yeah, yeah it's all Grace. about music, so it all comes back to music, right, Brian? Yeah, most, a lot of things in life it, do, I think. It's it, it, awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah. So great. We'll check in again with you sometime soon, Rebecca. And thanks again. So glad we met and worked on that project. And we will talk soon. We will. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. You too. Send us an email. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Outlook CFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.